ready to hear the word this morning. I got a message that I preached a couple of years ago, but just felt to revive it uh, and or repeat it if you like. Uh, just to finish off our little holiday series called Hills and Valleys, uh, I'm just going to share a, a message just in light of what I feel God's stirring uh, in us to things, see things shifted. I want to share a message that I shared a few years ago called Speaking to Mountains. If you could just throw that slide up, and I don't need to do that, Dave. Speaking to Mountains. And uh, in it, I want to remind you of a very simple, a very practical principle that is often overlooked when we face mountains, when we face mountains in uh, in our life. Let's just define, before we move on, uh, a mountain as any adverse situation, anything that looks or seems overwhelming in your life. Maybe it's a, a problem or an issue, but it just it, it is insurmountable in your mind. It, it might be a personal challenge that you could be facing right now, or one that you may face in the future. It could be a health issue that you have. It may be just an obstacle that stands between you and the dream that God's put on your life. Whatever, whatever that thing is, let's call it a mountain. And some of us have been praying about the mountain for years. Some of us have been praying about that thing. We've been praying about it for a long, long time. But what I'm about to tell you may completely change the way that you will pray after hearing this message. Are you ready? All right, Mark chapter 11. There's no uh, slides on the screens. We are not doing Lazy Sunday this morning. You're going to have to turn your Bibles. Mark chapter 11. Just turn to the person next to you who may have one. Or trust me that I am actually reading from the Scriptures. Mark 11, verse, verse 22, ends by saying, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. For These are the words of Jesus, by the way. I should have put that in there. This is Jesus speaking. For assuredly, verse 23, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Let me just read that to you again. Very strong words of Jesus, very confident words of Jesus. He says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, everyone say says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The NIV, you may be reading from this morning, it says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. The New Living Translation says a similar thing. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. What is Jesus talking about? Matthew chapter 17, the same account, different writer he says this in Matthew 17, 20, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I wanna speak to you this morning about the power of declaring, the, the power of our spoken word over things, particularly over, over mountains. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the context of this little passage here. He's 
Uh, it's suggested that he's likely pointing to the Mount of Olives or some other mountain that Jerusalem was built on. If you've been to Israel, there it's, a, it's a, a, a hilly place. And he's using this literal mountain to make a symbolic point. I don't think it actually moved, but he's saying something uh, literal to make something sim- a symbolic point. And really, it doesn't matter what version that you read this passage from, what account you read it from whether it be the NIV or the NKG or whatever it is, the BLT, and whoever you may be reading it from, Matthew or Mark or Luke, the one thing coming out loud and clear, if you read this, when it comes to the mountains in our lives, any high obstacle that we're currently facing or that we might face, when it comes to any of those things that stand in the way of our freedom or our victory, Jesus wants you to speak to your mountain. He wants you to open your mouth and speak to it and talk to it. We, uh, we get our car's warrant of fitness uh, done from one of those while you wait places. Anyone else go to some of those places? You don't have to make an appointment. You just kind of pull up and uh, you just drive up. No appointments necessary. Usually you have to wait maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes before it gets done. I've noticed, been going there for a wee while now, and I've noticed a few things about waiting rooms, places where you wait for something to happen. In fact, in probably every waiting room, whether it be the doctors, the dentists, or uh, my warrant of fitness uh, place, is that why is it that the only magazines that are available to read are Women's Weekly or Women's Day? Like they're just full up, I don't know, but they're everywhere I go, there just seems to be women's magazines. That's the only ones that you can read and the table is stacked with them. As a, as a guy, it's kind of awkward and you spend most of those 10 minutes just try, trying to sift through the piles of Women's Day magazines to find something that might be appropriate to read while, while you're waiting. And you read the, the, uh, the headlines, uh, Brittany has a breakdown, oh my goodness. <laughs> Megan has a baby bump. Did you realize that? It's amazing. And, and if you dig deep enough down the pile of women's magazines, you'll eventually find a, a, an art, a, a magazine from North and South from 1997. You'll find something as a guy that, that's appropriate to read. And Well, I was feeling bold the last time we did our Warrant of Fitness, so I just opened up one of these women's magazines. And I began to read the, I think it was the Woman's Day. Wow, what an amazing read that was. Just, uh, it was incredible. And so, uh, and so I noticed something as I kind of flicked through this while I was waiting for my warrant of fitness. Just about every article that I read on some celebrity or some scandal or some kind of, uh, some kind of news, newsworthy uh, thing, there was a line in the article that I don't know how they come up with this stuff, but says something like this, a trusted friend confided that Brittany is overworked. Or one of Julia's best friends says that she's concerned for her safety. Or a neighbor says that Brad hasn't showered in months. Or an ex-cleaner says that Michael hasn't mowed his lawns. Not one of these articles that I flicked through, not one time did they actually talk to the person in question. Did they actually speak to the person whom the article was about? They just talked about them. And and I suppose this is kind of the definition of gossip. You talk about the person. You talk to everyone else about the person. Just don't talk to the person themselves. And, And I got thinking, 
it's a little similar when it comes to the mountains in our lives. We think about the things that we need to overcome. We like to talk to people about our mountain. We like to talk to one another about our mountain. Nothing wrong with that. It's good to, it's good to kind of share what you're going through, talking to other people about what, what you're work, working through. We, we, we even talk to others who've got similar mountains to our mountains so we can kind of form a support group around our mountain and, and talk to one another about it. Maybe even compare our mountain to the other person and see how big theirs is in comparison to mine. We, we even talk to mountain professionals and who can try and understand exactly why our mountain is there. We talk to everyone about our mountain. And listen, that is fine. That is absolutely good. But while it seems we spend a lot of time talking about our mountain, what we don't often do is speak to the mountain ourselves. Say to the mountain, Jesus said, say to the mountain, be moved. We certainly like to talk to God about our mountain. And again, nothing wrong, wrong with that. It certainly seems a lot more spiritual when we talk to God uh, about our, our mountain. We describe that thing in full detail to Him. We, we inform Him of the exact height of it and the, and the depth of it as if he, he doesn't know. We tell Him how big and large it is and how intimidating it is. I found myself doing this just a couple of days ago. God, this mountain's too, too big for me to get over. And we pray to him, God, would you please take this mountain away? Would you please remove this mountain? But listen, Jesus didn't say, talk to God about your problems. He said, tell your problems to be cast into the sea. I was hoping for something a little bit more than, thanks, Alistair. Some of us, some of us are praying about things that we actually need to be speaking to. Who shall say to this mountain? Jesus said, who shall say to this mountain? You know, God has put certain things under our authority and we have to exercise it. I'm talking to, I'm talking to followers of Christ here this morning. God has given us authority, but we have to exercise what he's given us authority over. I did a quick survey just for uh, an example's sake here, I did a quick survey of the gospel uh, and the book of Acts, and I might be wrong, I'm happy to be corrected on this, but I couldn't find, just a quick survey, on one, one account where believers, disciples, followers of Christ were recorded asking God, for example, to heal the sick. I could not find one example where believers, it was recorded in the Bible, the disciples asking God to heal the sick. And it's probably not there, again, open to correction, but I don't think Jesus ever instructed them to ask him to do that. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Matthew chapter 10, verse seven. Jesus said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. All right, Luke chapter nine, verse one. Then Jesus called together the 12 apostles and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to announce and preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing. You see, just, just let's just camp for just a moment on the subject of, of healing. We will see far better results, if that's what we wanna call it, when we quit praying for the sick and we start speaking to sickness, exercising our authority over it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. When we begin to speak to pain and say, get out in Jesus' name, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. 
It actually sounds controversial, but it's biblical. It's completely biblical. We, we propagate a powerless gospel when we ask God to do for us what God has asked for us to do for Him. That's a mouthful. We propagate, we, 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 uh, we, we advertise a powerless gospel when we ask God to do for us what God has asked us to do for Him. Have faith in God, Jesus said, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and he does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have what he says. Jesus talks a lot about speaking, a lot about our confession, a lot about the declaration that we have that must first of all line up with his word, with heaven, that we get to partner with God in releasing things because our words, with the Holy Spirit have power, have power. Jesus begins all of this by saying, have faith in God, have faith in God. Jesus says, hey, listen, for, have faith in God. The, the literal translation of this, that little phrase, have faith in God, it doesn't actually say have faith in God. <laughs> it's a little confusing, but if you read, the, uh, re- read one of the many translations or the literal translations of that passage, it actually says have the faith of God. Have Not have faith in God, but have the faith of God, or have God's faith, one of, one of them says, or another version says have or use God's kind of faith. So have the faith that God has. Not, not have faith in God. Of course, we're to, we're to do that. But when, we come, when it comes to declaring some things over our lives, when it comes to speaking out some stuff, the Bible says have the faith of God or have God's faith or use God's kind of faith. In other words, look at that mountain the way God would look at it. Approach that obstacle the way that God would approach it. Look at it from his eyes with, with his perspective. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the hills and the valleys. But we've got to look at things from, from God's perspective and have that kind of faith. So if Jesus is teaching us that we should have the faith of God or use God's kind of faith, then I don't know, it makes some sense that we should exercise our faith in the same way that God uses it. Like model what he did, model God's kind of faith. How did, it, how did, how did that look in the scriptures? By speaking, by, by speaking. There's an interesting little verse in Romans 4, verse 17. You don't need to turn there. And it says this, Abraham believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Romans 4, chapter 17. Abraham believed God. He had God's kind of faith. Not faith in, in, not faith in God, although he did that. He was credited to him righteousness because he believed. But in this passage, it says that Abraham believed God. He had the faith of God. What, what kind of God? The God who gives life to the dead and calls, who speaks those things which do not exist as though they do. Have the kind of faith that God has and call things into existence that do not exist. Other versions say that God calls into being things that were not. What doesn't exist in your life that you need to, that you believe God's calling you to do? What dream do you have that currently is not there, but you gotta speak that thing in? You gotta have the faith of God to see that stuff come forth. He brings dead back to life. He creates new things out of nothing from his mouth. 
We know that God's word has creative power. What God gives utterance to becomes. When God speaks, stuff happens, right? Let there be light and there was. From his words, light came into being. Light which didn't yet exist came into existence because God spoke. God speaks and things become. God opens his mouth and things are created. Oh, listen, I don't know what obstacle you may be facing. I don't know what mountain may exist in your life. I don't know what seemingly insurmountable issue may be overshadowing you. I don't know, maybe you're on a, on a great plane right now and there's no plane as in P-L-A-I-N and, and you don't have anything right now. But listen, I wanna tell you, whatever obstacle may be standing in the way between where you are and where you want to be, Maybe there's something you might face in the future where there is, that, there is that gap that exists. Here you are, here's where God's calling you to be, but you're somewhere in the middle of that. Maybe, just maybe it's time that we stop speaking to God about the size of our mountain. Look at how big it is and started speaking to the mountain about the size of our God. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we looked at this last week. This is the story about David and Goliath and the taunting of, of uh, the Philistines to the Israelites. Uh, Goliath was on a hill. The uh, Israelites were in a, in a valley. You don't have to turn there, but we looked at this just last week. One of the greatest stories, I think, that we can find in the scriptures about speaking to mountains, speaking to the mountain, not speaking about it. And uh, you know the story, we looked at this for 40 days, 40 nights, the Philistine armies and Israel are in this kind of showdown before they start fighting. So for more than a month, there's these taunts, they, the Israel come out and, uh, in the valley and the uh, Philistines taunt them and intimidate them from up on that mountain, they go back in. They spend most of their time talking about the size of that mountain. Did you see the size of his head? Head, it was massive. It was a melon. The man was enormous, and he's standing there taunting us. If anyone was keeping score over these forty days, Israel were down by like forty points. I mean, they were they were losing badly because every morning out of the camp with the Philistines would come this giant of a man named Goliath. Scriptures say he was nine foot nine, which is even taller than Munmeat, and he had this huge bronze helmet on his melon of a head. He was a massive man. He had a coat of armor that weighed as much as a car, apparently. Like that's maybe true. And a staff the size, this is true of a weaver's beam, if anyone knows what a weaver's beam is. That's exactly what it's like. And he had a massive iron spear. This mountain of a man stands before the Israelites down in the valley, this massive, this ugly, this cursing giant, and he mocks Israel all day, every day for over a month. Can you imagine what that must have been like? You've gathered for, for battle and every day this guy keeps coming out and it says when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of Goliath, they were greatly afraid and discouraged. This was one very scary, intimidating mountain. And they talked about the mountain for days and days and days and days. And then David, remember last week, who didn't have the valley perspective 
David wasn't in the valley for those 40 days. He was outside. He'd come to bring cheese sandwiches for his brothers. He didn't have the valley perspective of sitting in that valley hearing those taunts. He was a small, ruddy farm boy. He wasn't even enlisted in Israel's army. He was a shepherd boy who had wandered down to the camp to deliver lunch for his brothers. And he hears the murmuring. He hears all of the talking about this, this mountain. He's, he's reading through the stuff that would eventually get printed in Woman's Day. Oh, it was massive. You know, a, a trusted friend said that giant was 10 foot tall. It just, and, and, and he hears them talking about how big and how tall and how wide this giant is and how they were gonna get crushed and spat out. He heard what Israel was saying about the mountain. Are you following me this morning? David then, having never been in the valley, he comes and he makes an assessment of the situation. David assesses all that is going on, all that he is hearing, and he concludes that this mountain didn't need talking about. This mountain didn't need gossiping about. This mountain didn't need sharing with one another. This mountain didn't need another day of talking about, but this was a mountain that needed talking too. And he says to Saul, the Israelite king, verse 32 of, uh, of uh, where are we? First Samuel chapter 17. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. <laughs> he's just given the cheese sandwiches over. He's heard what's going on, that there's a reward and all that kind of stuff. He's like, man, are you serious? I'll fight him. Let no man's heart, don't get intimidated, don't get scared. I'll go and I'm a servant of God, I'll go fight him. And so David, again, you know the story, he, 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 he's armed with the shepherd, shepherd's staff and five smooth stones, the Bible says, from the river. He's like, well, that'll do, just take some of those. And he stands before Goliath. And when Goliath sees him, the giant says to him, the giant speaks, See, if the, if the mountain's gonna speak to you, you gotta speak back to it. The mountains that Goliath says to him, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? This is the voice of intimidation. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And so Goliath's just doing what he's been doing for the last month or so. <laughs> Who is this guy? Am I a dog that you would, that you would send him out Come to me, I'll give your flesh to the birds in the air of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, about this time, David could have been uh, completely, uh, com completely forgiven for kind of doing the sideways shuffle out of there, just leaving quickly. I'll head back to the fields. Right, you got your cheese sandwiches. But listen, David decided that this mountain was not worth talking about, but it was worth talking to. You read it in the next verse, verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. Then David said to the Philistine, David speaks to the mountain, you come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you, giant, into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from your body. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Talk about some smack talk. But he had something in him that was greater than just kind of, those are just fighting words. He had some authority. Just think about this for a moment. David, we just read this, David or heard this, David just told Goliath that he was going to take his head off his body and feed it to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. He was gonna remove the giant's head. Someone tell me, remind me what David had in his bag. He had stones. He had, he had stones, five smooth stones, the Bible said. How was David exactly going to take off Goliath's head with five smooth stones? What was he going to do? Wear it off? Just stay still and I'll get some friction up. Here it comes. How was David going to, to do that? They weren't even jagged stones. Listen, without the benefit of hindsight, like we know what comes next. We've read this passage a lot of times. We know what happens. But wouldn't, just if you, if you were just in that moment, if you didn't have the benefit of hindsight, wouldn't a declaration about removing a giant's head be more plausible, maybe be more realistic, more kind of truthful if he had in his hands, I don't know, a sword? Five smooth stones. I'm gonna take off your head and feed it to the birds. You've only got stones, David. <laughs> Maybe just bring it down a little. You know, we've been under this thing for 40 days. Now you're de declaring this. Maybe give him a slap or something, but taking off his head with stones, listen what happens. Verse 48 says, when it was when the Philistines arose and came to draw near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone. He slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Oh, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But listen, there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, verse 51, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it from his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. I know that's a little kind of R18 or something, but that is good. That is some great reading right there. You see, listen, David beforehand made a declaration about what he would do. Yeah. Began to speak to that mountain. He could see the mountain being removed, quite literally. He could see Goliath's head missing from his shoulders. He may not know known of how it was gonna play out, but listen, his confession of what he could see in faith was a, was a prophetic declaration. And in that confession, that speaking to that giant, brought God's active aid into that situation. Let's take it through the cross. We do not remove people's heads anymore. That's just Old Testament stuff. 
but we can take the principle of what we see there and apply it to our lives and apply it to every giant, every intimidating thing that taunts you, everything that says you're not going to make it, it's too big an obstacle, you're not going to get through this, it's over, give up every mountain that we face, whether whatever it may be, whatever dire thing you may find yourself in, speak to that mountain. David didn't have the resource, he didn't have the means, he didn't have the height to reach. It's funny, God used the shortest man in the Bible to take down the tallest. He didn't have a sword, but listen, what he did, no. What David did understand is this principle that nobody defiles my God. Nobody comes against what God has spoken, what God has declared over my life and over my nation's life. He says to Saul, this is the living God, which this giant taunts. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He's already coming in with a different kind of a mindset. He's already speaking some truth that they, they need to hear. David wasn't running his mouth. He didn't have the gift of the gab, although he did. He wrote most of the Psalms. They're a wonderful poetry, but he had more than just that. He understood the principle that when we speak out what God has given us authority over, did you hear that? When we understand, when we learn to speak out the authority that God has given us authority over, our words engage the living God and bring Him into active aid into our lives. Our prayer life will change. The way we pray for things will change. We will stop praying about stuff and we begin praying to stuff. Begin to speak to some of those things with the authority that we have. We're not just running our mouth, we're aligning ourselves up with the Spirit of God. There's this interesting little passage in Zechariah chapter four, and I'll just begin to finish here. Zechariah four verse seven, don't try and look for it, you'll never find it. <laughs> for who are you, a great mountain? The scripture says, I wish I had it on the screens. For who are you, O great mountain? The amplified version says, of, who are you, great mountain of human obstacles? Before Zerubbabel, who was with Joshua and had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him, you shall, that mountain, you shall become a plain. That hill shall become a plain. It says that you shall become a plain and the Amplified says a mere molehill. The Bible says you shall make molehills out of mountains. You shall make mountains. You shall turn mountains into molehills. Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment? And if you just click that thing, uh, Dave, my next slide will come onto a, a nice pad that'll help me pray. Because everybody knows it's more anointed when you hear that sound. <laughs> Father, as we wrap up this morning, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that there is no one greater, no one more powerful, no one with more ability, no one with more authority than our God. We thank you that there is no other name, no other name that we can call on. There is no greater power than the name of Jesus. And there is no obstacle 
there is no mountain, there is no hill. We can say there's not even a valley that compares with you, that compares with your ability. And I speak right now, and I, I speak to mountains this morning in people's lives. I speak to obstacles, hindrances, problems, challenges, issues. I speak to disease. I speak to pain. I speak to torment. I speak to lies. I speak to anything that has exalted itself above you. I speak to anything that has created a mountain before us. I speak to those things, every high place, and in Jesus' name, be moved. Be cast into the sea. God, I declare with my lips to every mountain to come low now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank You. I thank You for the power of a right declaration. I thank You, God, for the ability to line up with Your Word, with Your promises, with Your perspective, with Your viewpoint, with Your lenses, with what You're saying, with what You're doing, with what You're currently about and up to right now. God, I thank You for what You are up to. And I declare that activity, Your activity, God, over our lives and over our church. I declare over our church that it would grow, that it would flourish, that it would thrive. I thank You for the many prophetic words that have been spoken about this house, that many would come in, that we would see countless salvations, that we would see many people bowing the knees of their heart and coming into a relationship with God. I thank You for the great light that shines out of this place, which is the Son of of God. I thank You, Jesus. I thank You, God, every obstacle, every hindrance, every blockage come down now in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. We declare the opposite. We declare Your favour, God. We declare Your increase, Jesus. We declare the advancement of Your Kingdom. We declare dreams coming true. God, I declare, Father, disease coming off bodies, sickness going in Jesus' Name. I declare minds being made up. I declare free minds, Lord, wherever there is depression and mental illness, I declare, God, Your peace that surpasses understanding. I declare a sound mind, God, in Jesus' Name, that these things would be broken now in the Name of Jesus. I thank You that there is no other name like Yours. Why don't we stand for just a moment, just just, just a couple of minutes, just keep praying if You would. Thank You, God. Thank You, Jesus. We declare mountain be cast into the sea. Thank You, God. What we say, Lord, has power. I thank You, Jesus. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your truth. Thank You for what You have spoken. May we be reminded of that today in this season. Maybe maybe you're in a valley. Maybe you've been taunted. Maybe you've been intimidated by another voice. But we stand even in that valley. God didn't say climb up the mountain. He said from the mountain begin to speak. From that place begin to speak what isn't and that it would become what is. We thank You, God. Thank You, Jesus. Loose our tongues to speak, Lord God. Loose our tongues to declare who You are. Loose our tongues to speak with authority to anything that defiles Your Word and Your promises in Jesus' Name. And I thank You, just as it was with David, who had no sword in his hand, but yet a a giant's head came off, that You would now resource us empower us, put in us, God. Give us things, give us gifts, gracings, 
I pray to tackle, to see that mountain shifted in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every obstacle, every obstacle, come down in Jesus' name. Come down in Jesus' name. Every doubt that you have, I just feel what there's, there's someone here who's wrestling with thoughts of doubt, self-doubt, doubts about God. You're just in a battle in your mind for, for the things even that I'm speaking. There's, there's like a taunting going on from the inside. I, I just speak, quiet those voices in Jesus' name. Let the Word of God be loud and true in your mind, in Jesus' name. You're gonna take authority over some of those things. It's not you. It's not you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We speak to sickness right now in Jesus' name. I speak to every bit of pain in people's body, in joints. Someone's got pain in their back right now. Someone's got a sore, a sore lower back right now. I just speak to that pain in Jesus' name. Be gone. In Jesus' name, be gone. We come against torment. We come against uh, torment, tormented dreams. In the name of Jesus, I speak life, life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just as we begin to, to wrap up, I would just love after we've finished here to pray for some people. You know, if you don't know Christ, if you've not invited Him into your life, surrendered your life to Him, made Him Lord and Savior. If you've not given God your life, that means you've got someone you can look to, draw upon His strength and His power. I'd love to pray with you after the service. There's others who you can pray with you as well. If you don't know Jesus, we'd love to pray with you today. Otherwise, Father, I thank you. Why don't we just stretch our hands out in a receiving position if you're comfortable to do that. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that are on every person here today. God, remind us this morning of whom it is we know, of who it is we carry on the inside, of whose spirit that we have in us. It's the spirit of the overcomer. It's the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead who now resides in us. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I thank you for the perspective today as we go into our weeks, as we head from this place and go and do what actually really counts. Because you know what? Church doesn't start until we've all left the building. This is where we need the empowerment from Monday to Saturday. I pray for the Spirit's empowerment over us, Jesus. Over us, Lord God, I just declare, Father, prospering people. Give us boldness to share our faith. Give us boldness to share our testimony with someone this week that they may know how good you really are, I pray. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Just in these last few moments, fill us up. Fill us up, God. Fill us up. May it be worth coming to church this morning. Thank you, God. Fill us up. May we go from this place, different than when we came in. Filled up with your presence. Reminded again, God, of who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for those dreams and plans. We pick them up again. Even in that valley, God, we run again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.